Hey everybody, welcome to the Unexpected Podcast. And today I'm uh, with my hosts, Matt Iverson and uh, Rainier Lee. Uh, pretty much we're representing the best of the Unexpected Podcast here. We've decided to leave everyone off for one of the most important discussions. <laughs> but uh, no, we're going to be talking about top three monsters today. And we're also going to be going into our list review. So for everybody who doesn't know, uh, you can submit a list to us where we will review it and uh, talk about it here on the show. We actually usually have about six people, five, six people here who will review your list. Um, and with that in mind, let's go into the list review before we get into our main subject. What is but that? before we do that, we, oh. we, we owe a listener an apology. And um, so Hakey, I think I am pronouncing that right. I did actually follow the link. I listened to the electronic pronounce, or pronunciation. I believe it is pronounced Hakey. Uh, we apologize for butchering your names. Uh, it, this is an apology for everyone whose name we butchered, but in particular, Hakey, because he <laughs> mentioned that he almost had a stroke when he heard us mispronounce it. And we want to be careful. We've only got four listeners. Uh, we certainly don't want to kill one of them by mispronouncing their name. <laughs> um, so sorry about that. Hakey, we apologize. This is why, uh, who, who read the, the name off of uh, last time? Uh, I'm going to point my finger at Tim because he's not here. It's all Tim's fault. Yeah, t- 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 <laughs> Tim, t- Tim t- typically, if, if the name's from Europe, Tim usually reads it backwards. So... <laughs> I mean, I, you know, all right. So we'll hopefully, uh, if, if do we have an easier name to pronounce this time, you think? Uh, well, we'll see. It's, a, it's another German name, but. Um, all right, I'll give it my best shot. Uh, <laughs> all right, so. Okay, here you go. See what you can do with this. All right. So, ah, oh man, Louis, right? All right. No, I think it's actually pronounced Louis. 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 Oh my gosh, this is supposed to be simple, and we've already <laughs> screwed this one up. <laughs> I'm gonna call it. <laughs> it's really Wait. though. It's it's his last name that's really the problem. I think with this particular one. Yeah, because is it E or is it A or is it A? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, that is it a soft E? Is it a hard E? We just don't know. All right. Well, we're going with. I'm going with Lewis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um, but basically, uh, this person essentially wants us to review their list and is uh, building an Angmar and Moria list. And as anybody who knows, uh, who listens to this podcast, we actually usually review it in a competitive fashion. So we don't think about theme. We are trying to help you win your games. So uh, essentially, he is in a 750-point list with 43 models. Those models uh, start with the Dwimmer Lake on Armored Fell Beast, and I believe that is the leader. Uh, and he is leading 14 orcs with a shield and then one specter. Then there's an Angmar Shaman with three orcs with a shield and one orc, I guess just bare bones. And then Birder, uh, the cave troll leader. And uh, then there's Durberts with two bat swarms and leading 13 goblins as well with a spear. Uh, it seems like the 13 goblins with a spear are purposely not given a shield, so they're going to be at behind the 14 works is i think the intention and then a black shield shaman with five goblins with a spear as well so that is a total of 43 models at 750 points seven might two strikes and uh essentially his idea was having nerf abilities with moria and angmar combined with some mass and hitting power he wanted the dormer lake to drain some of the will of the heroes and you know essentially you know, reduce their ability to resist spells. Seems like for the Angmar Shaman and the Black Shield Shaman. So he's pretty much pummeling his opponent with magic and models is seems to be the intent here. And uh, yeah, other than that, that's pretty much 
all of the main things he was going for, and he gave some ideas on some replacements. So going into it at 750 points, I'm trying to see here. So uh, Maelstrom is going to hurt. <laughs> um, I think that this is definitely intended to deploy together. Anything that forces you to deploy separately is going to be a problem. The Dwemerlake has zero will. Uh, your Shamans only have one might, which, to be honest, the Black Shield Shaman doesn't really need. Uh, but the Angmar Shaman, I believe, what is the spells in the Angmar Shaman? The Wither and uh, Transfix, right? Tremor. Yeah. Uh, well, Tremor's on the Black Shield Shaman. So Black Shield's going to want to cast Shatter. Wither and Instill Fear is the other one that's on the Instill Fear. So you probably, although Instill Fear is good, you probably know we're going to cast or you're going to cast Wither. Um, so you do have some excellent hero reduction. I mean, this is enough magic at 750 points to cause some heroes some problems. I think anything at 750 points is probably going to have three hard hitters, or at least try to. Anything with less than that, and they're going to really start to suffer from the weight of all these spells. Um, I don't think... I, you know, I Honestly, I'm not going to lie, I haven't played the Dwarm like since the new edition came out, because it just feels like his new ability is terrible. Um, but uh, I'd be very, very tempted to swap him for the Witch King, even at an equivalent point level. But I can understand the aura of six inches. What for those who also are like me and haven't played I, um, his uh, this character? His aura has been reduced to six inches, and I think it's like every time someone uses a might, will, or fate, uh, you roll a dice and a four up. They've got to use another. Well, you have a choice um, because they, they that was the change <laughs> to the rule. Now you need to spend a point of will in order to do this. So basically, somebody somebody spends a point of might, will, or fate within six inches of the Dwemer Lake. The Dwemer Lake then can choose to spend a point of will. If he does that, then he rolls the die, and on a four plus, the hero has to spend either another point of might, will, or fate, or just uh, have the effect canceled, and, and the point of might, will, or fate will will be lost. Okay, so basically, you're you're spending will for a fifty-fifty shot at uh, giving your opponent a choice of if they want to keep going with something. So I can, uh, and at a six-inch range as well. And I what, just what, what, what what about the armored fell beast? That's that's about twenty points that I think he could probably do without. And, and I agree with that. I was just starting with the Dwimmer like and giving you guys other areas to throw at of it. Make your pitch. I have played with the Dwimmer Lake, so I'll I'll defend the choice. But go ahead and okay. make your pitch. All right, so we'll defend the choice then. I you know what? I'll grab the book here. And we'll talk about, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, Dwimmer Lake, and I'm going to ignore the fact that he's on Felby. So for 120 points, to get a Witch King outfitted exactly the same way, uh, or as close and similar as possible, what, uh, well, you know what, I'm in Angmar, and it's, I guess it's a mortar section. What, what is the, the Witch King's like 70 base? And then, yeah, uh, the Witch King is 70 base. He's really 95 base because, you know, who's not going to take the crown? Oh, that's true. So, okay, so 95, well, that makes my math easy then. 95 base, and that's a 0, 10, 0? Uh, yes. Zero, 10, zero, yeah. So that really gives you 25 points to outfit him with everything else that you want, which is essentially, we'll say, two might, uh, I don't know if I agree with two fate, but we'll just say it, and then so he'll be at 11. So you're actually getting more magical firepower with the Dwimmer Lake, than you would with the Witch King. However, the Witch King is re-rolling die to cast spells, meaning he needs less to actually fire off with. Um, 11 and 16 is quite a margin, but having two points of might... Uh, it, the thing is, what you're also sacrificing, when you have the Dwemer Lake on Felbeast, Beast, 
you're trying to use him as a combat character and not having might on an on a fell beast is kind of almost a waste to me i mean you, you can throw him out in circumstances but not really because you know that heroic strikes or not being able to hurt a combat or do things certain effective this like it is completely reduced i almost would be tempted to say if you're gonna do this at all take the fell beast away and just throw him on a horse if you're gonna have the dwimmer like i'm not even sure i care about the fell beast um i think the only way i would have a fell beast is if i'm either using the tainted whom has two points of my or the um or the witch king and that that's really you know if i'm if i'm gonna play the dwimmer like i just don't think i'd throw him on that though i understand the reason you do because if you don't have a fell beast well then your hitting power is reduced to burr so now, now i mean I, I i think he says so he says he's new to the game to put this into context like okay. there's different there's different uh spectrums of ring wraiths and the combaty ones you would say would who be you'd be the witch king of agmar kamul possibly the betrayer am i missing anything then you'd have like support support ones like the shadow lord and i'd i'd position the doomer lake as a support um one to where you actually like tag him on with the witch king or tag him on with another magic like combat mm -hmm. caster or something like that and he's in the back ranks either on horse or on foot doing the shenanigans that he does with his special rule just to like throw that into context if you guys no, i'm glad you did because um yeah there are a lot of newer players who might be wondering like well what you know what's really the problem with having him on a fell beast i just feel like he's not going to be using it as effectively as you'd really want to be spending a 50 point monster um but I mean, I don't know, Matt. You said you had some defense for the the Dwimmer Lake here. Uh, it, I mean, even in its defense, I guess, including that, would you even put him on a fell beast? Is that uh, a waste of points there? So, <clears throat> when I played him, I played him on a horse, um, and I I'll, I guess I'll talk through kind of what options putting him on a fell beast gives you. Of course, don't armor the fell beast. Um, uh, for those who don't know, I mean, armoring a fell beast, you spend 20 points to increase the fell beast defense from six to seven. It ain't worth the points. You're better off, you know, buying four more, three or four more orcs or four more goblins or something like that. But um, all right. So, so first with the Dwimmer Lake, um, I mean, you're right. He kind of, he's a support wraith. He's kind of the ultimate support wraith. And you want him in an army where the other guys can be forced to spend might to deal with you. So what you want the Dwemer Lake to do is follow around your spellcasters whose, whose spells can't be ignored. And the, the Black Shield Shaman is one of those um, because, you know, you don't want your weapon shattered. So what the Dwemer Lake does he just follows the black shield shaman around he gets within six inches of whoever the black shield shaman is going to cast shatter at and then um he uh and then the black shield shaman cast shatter and all of a sudden um there's a 50 percent chance that you know if you've got a three will target um and he pitched his four will into that um, he may very well, there's a good chance that at least one of those will is going to be wasted. And the most he's going to come out of it is with one will to respond. Um, because the way this works is say he, say that, say your target said, all right, I'm going to spend two will to resist this shatter. Um, the Dwemer Lake says, all right, I'm going to spend two will to make you spend extra. Um, 
and if he makes one die, if he makes one of those die rolls, then the uh, then his opponent has to spend all basically has to spend uh, all three will to get two rolls, or abandon one of his will to get only one will, one roll. And if the Dwemer Lake makes both of his rolls, then that means the most your opponent is going your opponent's going to lose all of your all of his will, and the number of dice he's going to roll is just one. Um, so you want to couple the Dwemer Lake with guys that can cast spells like that, that your opponent's just basically going to have to resist. Um, and the Black Shield Shaman is definitely one of those. I don't think that the Angmar Shaman is one. Kind of. Uh, I, I would rate the Black Shield Shaman higher, but the Angmar Shaman with Wither, I mean, you can reduce that. Uh, you, you can, but for the same points, you can buy a, uh, um, a Barrow White with Paralyze. And that's another, that's another, I mean, that's another spell and, and he can cast it five times. Um, and that's another spell that, um, there's some people, arguments, I guess you could say that wither because of its permanent nature, like paralyze, you could recover from it, whether you're not recovering, like that's it. Once you've let that spell go through. Yeah, that's true. But in, in a lot of cases though, you can, you know, you can ignore it and, and let it go through. Um, and I think, and yeah, you know, the Angmar, uh, Angmar Shaman um, cast it on a three plus, but he can only cast it three times. Um, whereas, you know, the whereas the uh, Barrow White can go ahead and cast this thing. Well, times. we'd also look at the success rate, right? Like, so Barrow White can cast five times, but needs a four up. This Shaman can cast only three times, needs a three up, and has a point of might to supplement one of the rolls. Now, granted, getting a three is easy to resist, but um, you know, you're causing a resist test to be required. A uh, bear white often won't throw one dice at a single spell cast, whereas an Amir Shaman will, um, because of this fact. So now, if you really want a spell to go off, then you, you're thinking two dice, maybe. I mean, you could throw one at it, but you could spend five turns rolling one at a time, and we know that sometimes that doesn't go well. So I sometimes, even though I see the five will in the barrel white, I don't regard it as having five will because oftentimes I am spending two in order to make that roll really high because whatever I'm trying to paralyze, I want paralyzed that turn. And so, I mean, whereas the shaman, it's three up casting with a point of might to supplement, is kind of almost harassment, um, burning through resources. Yeah, I, I mean, but I guess here's the thing. If you get the wither off, the target's not going to die. And so sure. if you have like, say, you know, Aragorn on a horse or whatever, it charges a couple of orcs. Um, and what you do is you move the Dwemer like up within six inches and then, you know, you just throw a, you just throw a paralyze at it with, mm -hmm. you know, one die. And if it goes off, then, uh, you know, it's quite possible that um, Aragorn's going to be completely at a will. If it doesn't go off, you try it again the next turn after he charges, you know, two more orcs. And you can you can pull that off over and over again. The other thing that's interesting, and again, I didn't play the Dwemer Lake this way, but if you put the Dwemer Lake on a fell beast, um, and that fell beast then charges in against somebody, that becomes a situation where the paralyze, you have to resist the paralyze. Because hmm. um, otherwise the fell beast is going to, you know, you're going to be on the ground and the fell beast is going to tear you apart. I agree with the fell beast being in the list, just not on the Dwemer Lake. And that's where I was kind of like, I'd almost rather. Yeah, but the, but, well, I mean, the, the list is built around the Dwemer Lake and it's, you know, 
it, it's much easier to kind of defeat a paralyze hmm. when you're spending, you know, you can spend one will at it and just get it off. And you don't have to worry about the sapping that's going to happen with the Dormer Lake. And I, I think, I think we're forgetting about like the Dormer Lake in combat with the bat swarms is actually really good. So like, like he yep. doesn't need that heroic strike. He doesn't need those that things. That is a like, fair point. If he gets into combat, even with one of those mega heroes like Aragorn, like boom, boom, boom. Like there's no, no turning back from that. Like, yeah. If you get the, yeah. If you get the Dwemer Lake on fell beast in with the bat swarm. I mean, the other thing that the Dwemer Lake can do is, um, you know, with, with, with birder in the list and even with Derbers in the list with them striking, is he just follows around one of those guys? Because you can't charge a hero into Birder and not strike. Mm. Um, and what the Dormer like does is he just follows Birder around and waits for somebody to charge into Birder. And then, you know, Birder spends his one might to strike. And then the other guy maybe spending two. Um, and, you know, you keep, you keep that game up for a while and everybody's out of might and things become scary. So anyway, I, I guess what I, so my advice would be i'm intrigued by the dwemer lake on a fell beast um i have not tried it i think it it opens up some interesting options i think he has enough figures that he can get away with it here i would i would definitely take the 20 points from the armored fell beast i'd buy some guys i would um stick them in probably burr's warband just to give him some friends to show up with um I would also I I would change the Angmar Shaman to a Barrow White, um, and I'm trying to see if there's anything else in here that could get you. So, oh, the other thing I your your point is valid, Devin. About this is a list that's designed to fight together and can run into problems with um, if you're uh, if you end up in Maelstrom of Battle. One thing I would do is instead of having 14 orcs with shield and and uh, 14 goblins with spear, uh, I would have seven orcs with shield seven orcs with spear and um you know seven goblins with shield and six goblins with spear uh and you know that way if you end up starting together then you can have goblins supporting orcs and orcs supporting goblins who cares um but if they end up having to fight on their own they can form their little mini shield wall yeah and that helps with mobility too because then you have like you're not having your orcs forced to move five inches each turn you can actually go get stuff but that is like to bring that up too like i feel I don't, I'm trying to figure out how you could add like a captain, like a, like a, Actually, I was going to mention a, that. captain I, on, on warg too. Probably. I think that'd be good. Uh, I, yeah, I might consider probably dropping the Agmar shaman for just a captain on warg. I think it'll give you March another might. And even the, the sham or excuse me, even the captain on warg coupled with the bat swarms can do like some potential damage, but <laughs> I think you want two other casters other than the Dormer like in this list, but I do I do understand wanting to get a captain in this list. So the I'm problem just... is really Durberts. I've played this list. In fact, Matt, I think I played this against you in a tournament where it was uh, two Gundabad Shamans, Witch King, and the Shade. And I, it was almost kind of a similar design as this, meaning to pummel you with magic. It was at least in a tournament where we both were attending, I think. Um, not having March was really brutal. <laughs> and yeah. uh, being shot at from across the board, and you're just on that slow-paced game. Um, there, so I really do actually think that March how, might be. How about this then? How about in, instead of? Mm -hmm. Oh no! You well. Um, 
can Angmar Ang, can can Angmar ally with Mordor? Or no, is that a red alliance? No, it's a red alliance. Actually, okay. the convenient that's why you choose goblins. But I also agree with you. You need two casters along with the Dwindling. Having three casters at seven hundred and fifty points was like basically required to make sure your magic actually went through. And so I do agree that removing the Angmar Shaman is a brutal call. Um, there is a part of me that wants to take out Birder, and I know that sounds crazy. No, I was thinking the exact same thing. I was thinking take out Birder and throw in a shade. Well, that's what I did. And it wasn't a bad option because it made you get it... one to all your goblins, though. Ah, that's yeah, that, that's why I stopped playing it. Well, <laughs> so, I, I mean, yeah, a, another, uh, way, another way to do this would be... Um, but Birder, I still think I would take out. Well, if you're going to take uh, out Birder, why not make, why not transform Angmar into Mordor? You still get the Dwemer Lake. Um, instead of the Angmar Shaman, you get you can take a um, take a, a budget wraith. No, take a budget wraith, right? And give him two okay. might, and there's your march. Yep. And he's still around, casting compels and transfixes that the other guy's going to have to resist and start burning up. Um, actually, I like that. Will and I, I actually like that a lot. Um, and then you, you got some points in Birder to, to throw into something else. And I, I think um, isn't uh, uh, what it loses Spectre, just throwing it out. He, yeah, it loses a Spectre, but you know, you, you got, but he's got a, I mean, he's got a, another Ring Wraith running around to compel people. Um, that's uh, a, that's who's a the, uh, um Shagrat War Leader yeah, instead Shagrat of Birder. War Leader, I think, is, I think is roughly the same points and kind of, yeah. and kind of accomplish a lot of the same things that Birder does. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could do a lot. I think once you like decide to take out Birder, you can do a lot. You can even like switch him for the same points. You'd save money for two more Barrow Whites. Well, you don't need that much magical fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm like, if you want to go I mean, heavy, go ahead. So, the thing is, I, I mean, I will say, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with Birder in this list because what, yeah. what's neat about Birder is he's he's a guy that an, an opposing hero, especially an opposing mounted hero that might get hurled. When he charges in, he has to her heroic strike against because Birders fight six. And I'm not against her in theory. I'm just saying there's some critical weaknesses in the list with regards to March. That, that you can fix by taking Birder out. I get yeah. it. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and I, I would suggest that over anything too because like I, we've seen so many Agmar lists being played and the ones that generally are like, ah, with shooting armies is you don't see March and you just piecemeal hmm. them. Even with these new scenarios that came out where everything's like spread out all across a four by four board. I, I, I just don't know. Like, this is like a good, like bubble of death, but like, you don't get that March. It's kind of hard because it's a slow moving bubble of death. Not just like the typical Agmar, like six inches. I'm like, not even sure also, it's a bubble. This is like five inches of death or five inches moving yeah. at you. It's, it's a little, so I, I guess where I'm coming out is I think if if you wanted to kind of keep the Dwemer Lake as the core of this list, I would change Angmar to Mordor, make it um, Dwemer Lake on a regular fell beast, a budget wraith, probably just on foot, you know, perhaps on a horse. Um, yeah, no, I'd probably put him on a horse. And you get the points from the Spectre to do that. And then uh, Shagrat War Leader instead of Birder. Um and and you know throw some throw some guys in with uh shagrat you got you're gonna have 25 or so extra points to spend um and then you can you know shuffle some guys around so and one then, disadvantage though just yeah. throwing this out there is like 
if we switch to a budget wraith, budget wraiths kill by transfixing generally, and, and therefore you need something else to do that work. You have Shagrat, War Leader, but Barrow Whites theoretically can kill with anybody. And, um, it, you know, so we are reducing some of the permanent effectiveness of his magic. Like, you know, with the Black Shield Shaman or Wither. I mean, Wither can almost neutralize a character out of the game if you get two of those off. And, yeah, and, yeah we, 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 are, we are doing that. And I think you could, you could, you could keep this and, and, and go with Paralyze. But, you know, remember, one of the things that you're doing is compelling people out of the line where they can get jumped on by a Dwemer Lake on Felbeast and a Bat Swarm. And that will kill just about everything. If somebody gets compelled out of line and gets hit with a Bat Swarm and a Dwemer Lake on a Felbeast. Because the Dwemer Lake's going to outfight anything in that situation. I think Devin is speechless. Yeah, I was figuring. I think you kind of like killed them to be honest he might have had a heart attack i know uh, yeah no I'm but sorry. i like sorry, that folks, I, but Devin's brain has exploded i like that idea i just um, think like so there's so much potential to this list on like changing it um as is lewis like i think you said you're new to the game this is still a good list to start with like you have a lot of tools to do with there's just a couple of those fine-tuning things we'd suggest one that obviously all of us agree on is uh armored fell beast is not worth it uh two is the dwimmer lake probably needs some buddy help to go with it but we all agree that the bat swarms are really good i think you kind of took amori contingent to bring those bat swarms which is really really ideal and then we're all yep. kind of torn between adding might to it for march and how to add that or what different mega heroes we pick whether it's Shagrat, birder or even match keep the keep the shaman bring in a paralyzer with the barrel white so yeah it's good please let us know how you do with it um yeah we're always curious whenever we talk about it we told we, we told in one episode oh yeah don't take these double trebuchets to somebody and they're like yeah i won with it so <laughs> maybe don't take any of our advice i, I mean I, I will say playing with the dwemer like was a lot of fun um and you know mostly it's fun because you get to torture your opponents when they see the drummer like move in and then they realize they're going to need to spend extra points and stuff like that so mm -hmm. it, it it's it's less fun to play against but it is awfully fun when you're the the evil evil genius using the dormer lake and um seeing if you can get the best out of them is is i think gonna you're, you're gonna have some enjoyable games all right so uh okay so that's uh that's list so i guess the topic now is uh, our top three favorite monsters yeah so actually you know in, in all these type of topics i i like to qualify you know um why it is we chose these three like kind of like what are the metrics we were looking for when we said a top three just for our viewers to know uh we did actually include both monsters from the warrior category and hero category which is really unfair to the warriors but it had to be done otherwise our list would be practically the same so um yeah i we, think we we all like 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 i'm doing it based on um cost efficiency and what it does i know mm -hmm. you you usually do the same thing how are you gonna I I kind of went into, uh, without going into what my list is, I went into cost efficiency, yes, um, versatility. So generally, obviously, those who can do other little tricks, uh, maneuverability I did go into, but also base size, something that um, has to be factored in, especially when factoring the points, like, you know, you look into how the base size really impacts them if their mobility is 
garbage because obviously mobility mitigates base sizes, but or even trampling mitigates base sizes. Doesn't really make it matter as much. Um, so yeah, there was a bunch of different little factors I went into. I will say that in the case of the catapult troll, I made an assumption that the base size would be as large as a Gundabad troll. Wow, you picked the catapult troll? No, I did not pick the well. catapult troll. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh, that was going to be a spoiler discussion. <laughs> he was like, "If I would, if I was, <laughs> then he heard I mean, your reaction. Actually, and he was like, "No, I, no, no, I, I didn't do it. I swear." I actually <laughs> own a cat. Let me modify troll. this on my. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is that bad? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, so I have a list here of God. I didn't number them, but twenty monsters 20 something monsters yeah it's hard and... it's hard we're gonna have a lot of honorable mentions i think because yes. three is kind of hard to do but i'm glad we three, did three is, one of the ways i solved the honorable mention problem was by keeping the flexibility to change the the selections that i made based on what other people picked so i don't repeat them so yeah, <laughs> rem remember the top five like models we were like solidon yeah lady of light I, I, yeah <laughs> I, I i did also try and stay away or at least stay away from things we have discussed either frequently or recently with one possible exception that I'm going to talk about. Cause I think it got short shrift when we talked about it recently, but um, so, uh, so yeah, I, 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 I had a, I had, I had a collection of different factors that factored into this. Um, they do not necessarily reflect the frequency with which I take them, but um, I think they're going to be, fun so yeah and for viewers like we don't know each other's top three too with all these yeah, top we, 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 no we never know each other so it's like we're always like oh why did you pick that yeah all right, should we get into a it a couple surprise moments in the, some of the other top lists so. I, I i have to say i'm particularly interested to see which ones rainier is picking because as far as i'm aware i am i have never seen him play anything with the monster keyword yeah. actually that's true yeah now that i think about it yeah you've never done that because i don't i don't need to <laughs> <laughs> why bring a monster when you can His bring 68 models terror <laughs> yeah it's true like the flame of udin when i walk into the room what's well, probably my stench because i don't shower but you see all the flames like just go in the back and stuff yeah it's pretty bad well there was that time in philly when you set the guy on fire that's true but hey i was the to but, but so it was, it was allowed we don't talk about that here. yeah that's right there are fifth amendment issues so we're not going to talk about <laughs> okay, that we'll zip it <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I would, I guess I'll start, why not? Um, and so I'll go into it, yeah. So basically, I try to factor in uh, points efficiency. So here's the thing, monsters with might are just so superior to monsters without might that, you know, I ended up shoving a lot of the guys without might out of this competition pretty quickly, unfortunately. So anyone who was looking forward to those, um, I mean, the Ogre's probably the only one who even semi makes the potential chance of hitting a top 10. And the only reason for that is because the uh, the affordability of the Ogres and the spam ability of them. But other than that, really, it stuck with the heroes. Then going into a little bit of more exposition here of why it is I chose what I chose. There were some that like, so if any newer viewer here is listening and you're thinking, well, top three monsters should just also be the most powerful. Well, that would put Smaug automatically on everyone's list. But reasonably, he's actually not effective for winning games, which is why you can't just simply pick 
what is the biggest, baddest thing you can throw on the tabletop? It's not really going to work that way. So there is a certain amount of points efficiency. So some of you might be surprised that the Balrog did not make my list. For any of you listening, you often will think, okay, Devin hates the Balrog. Because, I was going to say, because you're an anti-Balrogist. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not because the Balrog is broken. I just don't think he is fun. Um, but he is a very powerful model. But I actually don't think that the Balrog is the most points efficient. Um, I tried to almost look at it in the sense of what if I could take any of these models in my Gondor list? And I say Gondor specifically because once you start adding in like, oh, my Goblin Town list, well, then a lot of things start working when you have hordes backing up your, you know, shoring up your numbers. So I'm like, all right, my, my run of the mill Rohan or, or whatever, like, you know, foot Rohan, what monsters would I want to take kind of thing. And a Balrog really wouldn't make it to that kind of list. Um, it also doesn't have a lot of versatility and such. So we'll go into my number one. You'll kind of see where this can kind of go. Are we going number one or are we going three up? No, no, no. Oh, we, yeah, we should. Let's, we're all going to do our threes. Calm down, we'll do Devin. Threes, Devin, like, we'll goes, goes to dinner and he just starts slurping the banana pudding. And you're like, hey, chill. Eat your veggies first. <laughs> now, this one, as I'm, as I'm like, kind of talking, it's like, okay, I, I made a top five list. And I'm kind of like, all right. This one obviously doesn't make any sense to say, oh, in my Gondor list, because uh, it's the Goblin King. Now, why did I choose the Goblin King? All right, so the Goblin King, 40 mil base, is a massive advantage. But a lot of his powers, or whatever you want to call them. Tell, tell us about the Goblin King. Tell us his stats. Tell us how he's broken. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's why the Goblin King's ridiculous. So obviously, I mean, If you want, I can read them out, because I had my book open to the Goblin King. <laughs> waiting oh, okay. for my turn. <laughs> but... <laughs> Go ahead, read him off, man. All right, so the Goblin King. He is a goblin. He is a monster, so he qualifies. He is an infantry hero. He is a hero of legend. He is 130 points. Um, he is move six, uh, fight six. He has a five plus uh, shoot value, which actually will matter. Um, he has a strength of five, so a little on the wimpy side for a uh, for a monster, but, you know, he'll do. He's a defensive five, not the not the greatest defense, but we'll get to that. He has three attacks, uh, three wounds. Um, he has a courage of three, eh, not the best courage, but you know he's you know a goblin. Um, he has three might, two will, one fate. He comes with a two-handed pick. He can heroic strike. He has heroic strength, and he has heroic challenge. His special rules are burly, which means with his two-handed pick, he is always going to be getting a plus one to wound. Uh, he is a cave dweller, which means I guess he can, you know, climb walls a little better than other people can. Uh, he's resistant to magic, which is great because he's always going to get that free die to supplement his, uh, his two will. And he causes terror, uh, which isn't surprising. His special rules are relentless advance. So this is the, this is the trample effect that Devin was talking about. When he charges into combat, he can pass through friendly goblin models when he moves each goblin. He, and by the way, for those of you thinking about allying, this is this is not just Goblin Town goblins. This is any goblin. So he can do this to Moria goblins as well. Um, he moves, any goblin he moves through suffers a strength three hit. Any goblin he ends his move on is automatically slain. Um, but basically it means he can charge through his own troops to get into combat. So when you think that you've safely walled off the Goblin King from uh, your hero that charged into combat, no, you haven't. He can charge through his own guys and still get into you. Uh, there is a caveat here saying that he cannot be compelled or commanded over his own models. Um, which is huge. <laughs> yeah, which is huge. Uh, note to self. Um, it 
does not say he cannot be like a fell light within him over his own models. Yep. That is true. Um, which if he's got a courage of three is kind of a bad thing. So uh, uh, that's an interesting thing you can do with the Goblin King. Um, his next rule is blubbery mass. Every time the Goblin King is wounded, roll a D6. A three plus, the wound is ignored, uh, which is great because you can throw him into combat and he can just tank, not because of his high defense roll, but because he can just ignore his wounds on a three plus. Um, magical powers and elven blades ignore this ability, so he doesn't like to fight elves or wizards. And then the last rule is goblin projectile. In the shoot phase, if there's a friendly goblin model in base contact with the goblin king and neither engaged in combat, the goblin king may make a shooting attack with a range of 12. He's probably not going to hit without spending some might because the odds are, as long as he's moved, he's only hitting on a six, but you know, you roll a five or whatever, and you really need to get that uh, ring wraith off his fell beast, you can do that because uh, once you hit, the shot is resolved at strength eight and will automatically knock prone any model that it hits. So you can knock folks off of horses. Which is already silly because ends yeah. throwing rocks don't have that same fact. Yep, yeah, right. these giant um, Isengard boulders just like bounce off you, but you toss a goblin, it knocks out a ring race off its fell beast. Like. <laughs> you know what it is? It's it's the English that he puts on the goblin when he throws. It's really, it's all in the wrist. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The spin he puts on the goblin. Uh, and some throwing technique. But you know, and for anyone hearing this, like, this guy is kind of absurd a little bit. Um, his strength five is mitigated completely by plus one to wound. Um, resistance to magic, I didn't talk about that, that. That is another huge thing to have in a monster. A lot of your base level monsters who are just warriors, not heroes, are often not considered in my top three because you will, magic just takes them out of the game pretty much permanently until you want to deal with them. Resistance to magic is a massive factor into a lot of decisions I made. Um, you have, yeah, relentless advance. A lot of times, one of the biggest problems is you can easily block off a monster. Well, you can't block this guy off. In fact, he wants to be behind the horde and uh, pick his fights, which is very unique for a monster. And combine that with the fact that he's on a 40 mil base. Because if he was on a 60 mil base, it was it would be a little bit hard to make this work without murdering a huge bunch of your own troops. But, Giant swaths of goblins. Yeah, yeah. Like just carving paths in your own army. But on a 40 mil, this works pretty impressively well. The blubbery mass rule, uh, I don't know uh, why Games Workshop has a fascination with being fat as a <laughs> an armor save. But we, we uh, will we will not we will not comment on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ex but, except for noting that uh, in the Games Workshop world, it is it is good to be fat. Yes, it is good to be fat. And so uh, and then the Goblin Projectile, once again, doesn't really make any sense that he knocks things down, but he does. And so that has to be factored in. So there's a lot of versatility, a lot of things that go in for this guy. Uh, the fight six is ex immensely helpful uh, for him dealing with all heroes, having the heroic strike. All I mean, just he's just good. And then on top of all of it, he leads 18 troops. I mean, and you got to think yes. Gollum too. I think Gollum like really, yes, or he can look, yes lead seventeen. Yeah, you troops think and he's Gollum. too good? Like here comes I Gollum tried with the not ring. To factor in Gollum actually, even not factoring in Gollum. So mm -hmm. that, that's a good point. But even not factoring him in, you're right. Uh, well, if you do factor him in, he's he's absolutely absurd. But I tried not to because, um, in fact, like I said, I always thought of him as if I stuck them in Gondor. Now with him, I have to reword it a little bit to assume that all references to goblin is now man or something like that. But, but just a generic bare bones list. Who are the best monsters? But you are right. Cause I mean, goblin may, uh, Gollum makes pretty much any monster 
silly. Like, you know, if I had Gollum with my Witch King, it's just hard to do because Gollum is in this list. He needs the Goblin King to... I mean, basically, the way I think of it is you have the Goblin King who's the bully, and then you have Gollum who's the bully's little friend mm. who, you know, runs around and charges into heroes and makes the... And and they and when Gollum puts on the ring, they both move through their own troops. So like nobody's safe from them. They're just hanging out behind the lines. They wait till somebody charges in. And then Gollum throws on the ring and the Goblin King tramples people and uh um you go from there. So that is my third pick. And uh so Rainier, what do you got? So mine was actually the Goblin King, so I'll choose someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so my I always pick based off the same credentials that Devin said, like cost efficiency, what does it do for the army and is it worth it for the points basically? But for this one, I'm just going to go with the big bad boy, Sauron the Great. He was my number four. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, th- okay. I think, I think like I, you have to, right? So yeah. let me read his profile off. So he's fight nine, uh, strength eight, D10, four attacks, five wounds, courage, seven, three might, six will plus one per turn. And fate has a special rule, his one ring. So of course he gets priority. You see a lot of golems, Bilbo's, he sealed doors with rings. If he has the ring, he gets priority with the ring. Sauron does not follow the normal rules for the one ring. Instead, whilst he wields one ring, whenever Sauron loses his last wound or would be removed as a casualty, roll a D6 on a two plus the power of the ring sustains him. And he has a single wound restored. During the fight phase, Sauron will make this roll for each wound suffered that would cause him to be removed as a casualty. Sauron may use might to influence this rule. So this is amazing. We went back to like might on a hero. That's that's fantastic. He can might this up so he doesn't die. Also, the might allows him to do crazy things. Um, his heroic actions are channeling, strike, strength, and challenge. Special rules, ancient evil, resistant to magic, and terror. So he's going to cause everything to be really like scary in his proximity. Another passive special rule is the Dark Lord. If Sauron is in your force, he must be your leader. Obvious. Uh, Lord of the Rings is a passive rule. Uh, Sauron can spend a single point of will each turn without reducing his store. Will, his store. So like the whole wizard uh, profile. And then he gets two special brutal attacks. One is unstoppable. Instead of making strikes as normal, Sauron can instead make one strength hit on every enemy model involved in the same fight including spear and pike supports so that's that that scene from the movie where you just have him like swooping everything like going going wild um that's really good because you will usually surround him another one the flames of evil sauron makes a sing sauron makes a single strike against a single infantry or cavalry model engaged in the fight of course it's another brutal special attack if the model is a cavalry model then only the rider will be affected if the model is fortunate enough to survive, even if they did not suffer a wound, that's really good right there because folks usually fade out with those. With, with those, Then the target is also set ablaze. Remember that this also inflicts one strength nine hit on the poor model that Sauron now has in his grasp. I like that wording on the poor model. <laughs> but you have so many set ablaze rules where it's like, if they're wounded, they're set ablaze. Sauron's like, I don't care. You're just set ablaze. So right off the bat, he's a hero of legend as well. That's pretty good. Um, when I say his hero of legend, I would also want to say the army bonus, which I think does apply to this profile, is the power of the ring could not be undone. He can lead up to 24 models. Additionally, a force that consists of solely of models from Baradur 
is on, is never considered broken if Sauron has three or more wounds remaining. Should Sauron have two or fewer wounds remaining, the army will break as normal. Should Sauron be slain, the army will immediately be broken. So that is huge. That. I actually didn't include that in his profile. Um, not that it takes mm -hmm. him away from my list, but I, you know, I, I tried to remove the army bonuses from my mind. Yeah, that, that makes, I think it's hard, though, because like this one, you never take Sauron without this. You know what I mean? Well, see, that's the thing is you really can't take Sauron outside of Baradour ever. Mm. And, you know, um, for, the, for that reason, yeah, you lose this bonus. I mean, I don't know, though. I, I think for 400 points, he's still pretty efficient in what he does. Yeah, because we haven't even gone over his like magical rules. And for yeah. 400 points, we think like when you're going to point sink that much into one one hero, of course, he can't fly. His base size also is size of a horse. Like that's 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 key for getting places. But when you're going to point sink 400 points, which is like half of your army in an 800 point list that you usually see, it's good to know that <clears throat> yeah. they have to focus on him. They can't just piecemeal the orcs and then break Actually, him. You know, that is a good point. I would say without that rule, one of the reasons he was never played before is because mm -hmm. of that problem. You could avoid him and just fight the rest of the army. Yeah. It's actually a fundamental problem with even the Balrog um, is that you can ignore him. Uh, so, yeah. and I think he's he's for a combat every turn. He but, he's a lot better than the Balrog in my opinion. And like I think you can't ignore him with that special rule, and also the might and stuff. Like the Balrog never doesn't always roll sixes, you know. Like Sauron has what the Belrog only has three attacks or four attacks. Four. They both have four. Oh, four, but still, Sauron but is, and that's, is just that's menacing. And you throw Sauron against someone, it's just like this is terrifying. You know what I mean? Um, they they heroic defense. Sweet, up. You're set ablaze. Like I don't even have to wound you. You're set ablaze. I mean, the, the one like thing Sauron doesn't have that the Belrog has is the is the additional threat range that the the whip gives uh, him. Oh, but um, I'm going to get into that though. Magic? Like I think his magic is yeah. extreme. This is why like if it without the magic with, with the bonus, I'd be like, maybe with the magic, I'm like, this is actually what like it's people, the magic people mistake into the yeah. top 10. Did yeah. I so let, let me go over his magic. So um, everything besides instill fear is 18 inch range. So that includes drain courage on a two plus transfix on a two plus compel on a three plus instill fear on a three plus three inches chill soul on a four plus and sap will at a four plus i think that is what makes him extremely combined terrifying. with the free magical cast of turn yeah because if free, free magical that, then once again i wouldn't even really factor the magic into it, and he's and he's resist, resistant to magic too so it's like you can't do much but if you see like we talk about sauron saruman excuse me and like the old council wise like list like his range of 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 18 inches or whatever like hitting people i think Sauron at 18 inches that's like a 24 inch range where he can be like boom you're wounded uh i, I see him being played against like eagles and it's like boom like you're wounded i'm just taking out eagles here and there just nilly willy um but you do have to do it a couple times yeah that's 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 true but also like think about this with the new special rules for the horses and magical powers he can literally be like Aragorn, your horse is dead. Or like, no, no, no. Don't Only think that's Black true. Dark. Or is that just Black Dart? Only Black Dart, yeah. Mm. Black Dart's this weird gray area, which for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, it's an FAQ where Black Dart specifically is not a lot. It doesn't target a model. It targets 
little whatever part component of the it's weird <laughs> but yeah if you guys want to hear rage just uh listen to previous yeah, expect <laughs> that to be un would i i I cannot imagine after several tournaments of that being abused that that will stay in effect. Yeah, the theme of like our first episodes was more Signal Tower. The theme of now is like less Black Darts. Yeah. <laughs> but, to, but to say that about Sauron, like why I chose him and like why I guess I would actually now put him in my top three because y'all picked uh, Goblin King is that his threat. Um, you don't need to use his magic every single game. He's not like, oh, like a caster. But the ability to have this monster that causes your force not to break. You have to engage him, and he destroys everything when he comes in combat with. He ignores, semi-ignores uh, heroic defense, too. And then to have these casts that are cast like on 3-plus or 4-plus at an 18-inch range, that is just phenomenal. So like, this is my only time where I'd be like, buy the Ferrari. Like You deserve it. It'll be worth it. Um, everything else, I'm always like, find a budget, see what it's going to do for your list, and make it multiple... Um, have multiple roles, but I just think Sauron and Baradur is like the only the only reason I hesitate, and this is the whole you know Balrog versus Sauron debate. The only reason I hesitate is when I have played Sauron, I find it is very hard to get him where you need him to be um, in close combat because yes, he can reach out with spells, but you can't you can't get four hundred points back by casting Chill Soul every turn. You have to get him into combat with something. And it, what the Balrog has is he has the whip and the free heroic combat um, that he gets to call every turn once he actually gets into combat that you can keep him kind of moving forward. And Sauron doesn't have that. He's only got the three might. You're probably not going to be spending that to call heroic combats. So he is very vulnerable to the, um, all right, this turn you get to fight this one idiot who passed his courage test and was dumb enough to come and fight you. And next turn, you're going to get this idiot who is dumb enough to pass his courage cast and is now going to come fight you. Um, Fortunately, Barge helps with that. Barge helps, right? But but then you're not even killing the one guy, right? Then you're you know you're you're killing the guy. You're 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 moving and maybe you're only moving an inch, and maybe you're only moving into one more guy than than you killed that guy. And you know you haven't necessarily helped yourself very much it's you know it's, yeah it's, i think it's that, hard. that that's probably why he like tinkered on like not quite getting in the top four i would just say with all of us like but it's it's that that thing that holds him back for, for 400 points I, I i agree with that but i i don't know like i saw there's samir who plays him for my group and like if you go to like an event where it's just fun like he just wrecks and even tim hines played him at a deadliest heroes at nova when i when i wasn't able to attend that and i just saw tim surrounded by a whole bunch of heroes and this poor guy looked so disheveled he was just like wh who was playing tim he was like i can't kill him i can't kill well, I, like once you go into the minutes. all once you go into the all hero world then i think it's a very different equation unfortunately that well, format I died with the uh nazgul from Door. Yeah, like as yeah. soon as they I, came, well, I th I think it's considerable be because in a in a lot of parts of Europe, uh, you see a lot of these like super elite forces that is like that are like a bubble of death, and they have to come get you, like Boromir, Lady of Light, um, Fountain Court Guard, or something, just all do 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 to come into you. Like I don't know, maybe, maybe it'd be interesting to see him play against those armies. Well, I'm actually interested now that Matt has uh, heard our 
number three pick. What's your adjusted number three pick? <laughs> well, uh, so this was actually going to be my original number three pick. So, and I'm going to stick with it. And I just want to caveat by saying this is not the, this is not my third most favorite monster, but um, I, I do want to make sure that I embrace diversity. And I chose a warrior uh, monster. And the one I chose was the cave troll, who is probably my favorite amongst the warrior monsters. Um, the cave troll is uh, move six, uh, fight six, strength six, defense six, three attacks, three wounds, three courage. Um, so he's, you know, he's, you know, pretty much when you think of a monster, those are kind of monster stats. And he has the 40 mil base, which is, as Devin said, so important as being able to, you know, both get him into combat and not get him surrounded by 16 enemy heroes. We're going to strike up and slaughter him at one time. Uh, his war gear is a spear. So uh, he can actually uh, uh, fight for the bank rank back rank if you really want him to, but you're probably not going to keep that because one of the options he has is he may swap his, Oh, by the way, he's 75 points based. Um, he may swap his spear for a hand and a half hammer at five points base. Uh, or at additional five points, uh, which because he has the burly special rule means he's going to get plus one on all his to wound rolls, which is really important for a monster that does not have uh, might to bump up that critical to wound roll. Um, I think you always spend that five points. You always take that hand and a half hammer and uh, you always go in with the, the plus one to wound and he kind of becomes a, a scary guy for 80 points. Um, you can also get a troll chain for five points. The troll chain counts as a throwing weapon, a range of three inches and a strength of five. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that's really worth uh, spending the points on his other special rules are of course, terror and throw stones with a range of 12 inches and a strength of eight. Uh, as we noted before, unlike the goblin King who with strength five is throwing a goblin, knocking people off of horses. This burly cave troll with strength six is throwing stones, doing strength hits, but not knocking people off of horses. And he can't move to throw it. Yes, and he can't move to throw. He has to be stationary. But, you know, if you want to move to throw, take the troll chain. You know, if you want to do that, you can. But anyway, the cave troll, I think, is a, is a useful monster. With his 40 mil base means you can put him kind of in the middle of a, uh, a warband with guys on his flanks so he can't be surrounded uh he's in a position where he's uh not going to get uh not going to get hit if you keep him properly surrounded he's not going to get hit by um more than one hero at a time and he can fight one hero at a time um because he's he's probably not going to go down if he loses the fight and if he wins the fight he can really mess up that one hero uh, and I think he is worth it at 80 points. So he's a guy that I, you know, I do take from time to time if I'm going to use a uh, non-hero monster. The one caveat I would say is, what you have to be really careful about the cave troll is if the other guy has um, something like compel or a fell light is in him that can pull him out from the battle line, you want to make sure that he is properly walled in so that he can't be pulled out, but not so walled in that you can't actually get him into the fight. Uh, which is a tricky dance to try and play. I, I like, like, I like, I like that you chose a warrior model because there are really good, especially for price efficiency. I would say, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't put in my top three, but I do like the model a lot. I know we talked about this when we, were, we reviewed 
Amorial list and who was it? Will Champions episode. And I, Matt and I were like, keep the cave or replace, I think, the drum with a cave troll. So, like, I really like cave trolls in those lists that it's like, oh, they have a cave troll. Like, it's iconic. And also, it's just a surprise because they are, they kill quite a lot. They're pretty, pretty good. But yeah, I think that's all I really have to say about it. Like, it's, it's cool. I wouldn't put it in mine, but like, it's, it's really good take. I mean, it wouldn't be my top three i mean to be clear it's it's not technically in my top three either but i want to make sure we talk about one non-hero mm. monster so that's why i put it in there yeah i think him him, him and the ogre would probably qualify for the best uh warrior he, models he is definitely worth his points now um i think the reason you don't see a cave troll as much as he's overshadowed by so many awesome options that the moria and angmar list can field but um but he is Certainly worth his points. So I guess I'll go into my second choice here, uh, just for you, especially for the sake of time. Um, so my second choice is, uh, it was actually a toss-up between Spider Queen and Gwahir, and I kind of chose Gwahir, mostly because, uh, so here I'm looking at, they both have 60 mil bases, which is bad in my opinion for a monster, which is weird to say, because they're almost all 60 mil, but, uh, essentially, that's a fundamental weakness. So you want to get around that fact. Spider Queen does that very efficiently moving around. Uh, and also, the Spider Queen does have extra utility uh, in the Broodlings, which is huge and can't be understated, which made the choice hard. But being able to fly over models in this game, in this game specifically, Motor Rings, I mean, it, it's such an immense power. Like even the Bat Swarms, or what do they call it, the, the Gundabad Bats, or you know anything that flies in this game causes so many problems. <laughs> And it just really, really uh, is something to work with. So uh, I chose Guaihir over just a Great Eagle, mostly because of the uh, slight resistance to magic. I mean, obviously it doesn't actually have resistance to magic, but just that ability to resist magic is big. Um, you know, having might in a flying character means that your threat radius is it, it just is everywhere uh, across the battlefield. And, uh, you know, fight eight. I'm not going to go into the profile in depth just for the sake of time, but I mean, essentially has heroic strike, has heroic defense, which is another really big deal. Um, it's just... When you have a flying monster for for 150 points, and that can lead, but eh, it doesn't lead anything great. But once again, I try to think of it as in a Gondor force. <laughs> and so that would be huge if he was in a Gondor force, but uh, actually much better. But, you know, can lead, hero ledge. I mean, I find that the survivability combined with the offensive power of this model is one of the reasons I wanted to include it in my top three and the survivability itself combined with the slight edge of maneuverability, despite the fact that a slight decrease in versatility over the spider queen is why I chose number number two. Um, but I mean, if anyone were to wonder why other flying models didn't make it, it's mostly due to cost efficiency in combination with that flight. So dragons are just simply not cost efficient for what they do with flight. Um, and then you have, well, that's really it. I don't think any much else. I'm looking at my list of things that fly in the monster category and there's isn't much. So it's really yeah, just I like it. I like, I'll probably say it soon. So I'm going to say what I'm going to say about it for later. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> I mean, like I it. think, I think what did Gwai here show up on our, I, I actually think Guahir is one of the best models, period. Yeah, I, th I think I, I, I set Guahir as two or three for the most essential models to bring. 
and like, yeah, yeah, if y'all want to watch that episode, like we go like big into detail on why why that is. And you know, obviously the other big one that flies is Felbies, but you know, I, I figure we're all going to talk about Felbies at least one point in this podcast. Yeah, and we're the goblin <laughs> king can toss them up, but okay, but, so. but not armored Felbies, not, not armored Felbies. <laughs> <laughs> so sh- should I go into my number two? Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't have the book with me in Korea. So Matt, can you please read off for me? The sp- right. spider you queen. The, you need the spider queen. Okay. Hang on a second here. Um, so yeah, my number two is the spider queen. Hey, I mean, I respect it. It's like, I'm actually curious why you would choose the spider queen over Guire. Unless Guire is your number one pick, which then I'd be shocked. Why FLB didn't make it to your list. Oh, well, we'll find out. All right. So the Spider Queen, 115 points. She is a spider. Uh, she's from Mirkwood. She's a monster. She's infantry. She's a hero. She's a hero of valor. Uh, she moves 10 inches. She has fight six. She has a uh, shoot skill of six plus, which I think never comes into play. She's strength six, defense four, two attacks, three wounds, courage four. She has three might, three will, and no fate. She has large venomous fangs. They're very sharp. Um, she has heroic strike. She has heroic defense. She has the special rules of monstrous charge. So she gets one extra die on the charge. She has swift movement, which uh, if I remember correctly, means she ignores terrain, uh, including being able to do things like run up walls and stuff like that. She causes terror. She has venom, which means she rerolls to wound. And she has the progeny special rules. So during any point in her move phase, Including the end, the Spider Queen may expend any number of remaining will points to summon a broodling. For each will point expended in this way, place a single broodling base anywhere within three inches of the Spider Queen, but not in base contact with any enemy models. Broodlings may move and charge on a turn in which they were summoned. So what the Spider Queen can do is she can run out 10 inches, spend a point of will, and then the broodlings again go 10 inches. Uh, Broodlings are not counted when working out if a force is broken. Um, so the broodling stats, just for the sake of completeness, are they also move 10 inches. They are fight two, strength three, defense three, one attack, one wound, and two courage. So with that, Rainier, tell us. Yeah, about basically, like you, I just like Spider Queen for all she does for points efficiency. You usually see her allied. I mean, I've seen her with pure spiders. I wouldn't do that. You see her allied with lists like Moria, Agmar, these different different things where it's like, oh, here's like a 12-inch range, go over terrain or through terrain and destroy stuff. I just really like what she does, her mobility. She plays uh, as like a hero assassin. She plays the objective game really good. She's really good at trapping people. That's what the broodlings do. You usually typically go into combat and then like, boom, spam, spam the broodlings. They pop behind the person and trap them. Um and yeah, like the typical battle line, I feel like is afraid of her because she can hit the flanks really well and do a really nasty hurl. Even the broodlings can go hit the back of the ranks too and trap some models and stuff. But yeah, I just think she's simple. You guys probably see her all the time at tournaments. Her her objective game, what she can do, and her multiple roles in the span of a tournament just kind of set her over edge because... I never see a tournament where she's not doing something or I never go up against her and I'm like not uneasy about it because she just, with the range of what she does, it's, it's quite terrifying. I would say without swift movement and broodlings, she definitely drops significantly Oh, for sure. The broodlings in the objective play is nuts. I mean, the fact that they move, I mean, that's like saying, well, without magic, Sauron's you know, not no, that great. No, but, I mean, but, <laughs> no, but, but no, you, you can but literally even, like, that's what we did say earlier is that, 
it is the magic that puts him on the list. And I, and I get it. It's yeah. like, okay, without any component. Like, it, 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 yeah. It's, right. it, well, it's just, uh, those things I think are inherent to the spider queen, I guess. And, and yeah. you're but like, say, 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 think, think what, what, what is that scenario? Like not domination, the one where there's five and they're all 10 inches away from each other. So the, the capturing, capturing I, control, you can literally just broodling at the end of the game the, and then boom, boom, boom. You have literally four objectives like that, or you're contesting four objectives like that. It's just, it's wild. Reconnoiter, just everything is, it's, it's just amazing. So I just wanted to say a map boost because there are similar models like the cave Drake, for example, very fast, more durable than this one, same five value, m much more durable. I mean, by a yeah. long shot. And so why is that not played? It, why why is it that the spider queen ranks higher well it it is because of swift movements you know allowing you to run around walls and whatnot but also the combined with the broodlings and that versatility of objective play yeah. and that's why i was kind of going at that because there's just other models that are kind of vaguely similar to it but didn't get yeah. selected and like that's why i think all of our monsters are like you'll probably see and i almost did put the fell beast actually in my list but like i assumed all y'all will and now no one's doing it i'm like uh yeah. <laughs> No, but but even I looked at the Cave Drake, right? And I was like, we talked about him. I think he's just amazing. But it's that 12-inch range of her that gets her wherever you want on the field. And that spooks so many people because they never know where she's going to come. And, like, that's what I mean about flanks. Like, you can literally hit a flank. You mean 10-inch range. Oh, 10-inch, yes, sorry, excuse me. She's but, so fast. Like, if you think about those little spiders, I mean, they're tiny. They're, like, they represent, like, like it's a scale. There's something, like, I don't know this big and they're moving just as fast as something with legs as massive like yeah, do you know how terrifying that would be in real life they are <laughs> like, terrifyingly like, wow. fast yeah that's right like, their speed alone would freak me the hell out yeah, they like <laughs> suck but it's just like they're coming at you <laughs> they're really fast yeah they're coming at you with the speed of a horse yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i mean the, the slingshot ability with those is just incredible where it's like you move her 10 inches then you move then you you pop a broodling into existence three inches away. The broodling's got a forty mil base, I think. So that adds another inch and a half onto it, and then it moves ten inches and can charge. So you know you can you know you're it, it's like a two foot range in one turn that you can get somebody into combat with. Yeah, I've even used her like them as blocking like just toss them in block an avenue and it's like oh the warriors can't come into the queen or even right. if you have a hero they have to croak combat to get into the queen but also the three might on her is just like whoa like you know what i mean yeah. I, I will i will say this about the spider queen and this is why she's not on my list is um using the spider queen requires lots of practice and mm -hmm. and i i for one have not had it um i've i think i played with her once and like i realized after playing with her that i i'm not getting the most out of this model um and because uh, it really requires you to kind of know how all our special rules work and remember all remember okay I, i've got broodlings and when do i throw them out and stuff like that and uh yeah the one time i played with her i was like hmm, yeah I, I i need to do this about a half dozen more times before i think i can get the most out of this figure and she is very weak like she is like a glass cannon like i've seen her be shot out before she even gets into combat so you got to be careful with that or many people just throw her in like straight into like a battle line like ah here i come and then she dies so you do got to be yeah. careful this is not this is not a figure for beginners mm -hmm. all right matt so your adjusted number two slot my adjusted number two slot which is also not a figure for beginners and this is one we talked about recently but i think we 
we kind of gave it a bit of short shrift. So I want to talk about it again. And that's the watcher in the water. Um, mm, I knew you were going to do it, Matt. So I knew you were going to do it. I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to do it because I know Matt's going to do it because he is loving this watcher lately. Yeah. All right. So the watcher in the water is 200 points. It is the sole figure that has the Kraken keyword. Um, it is move four, uh, but we'll talk about that. Uh, fight six, strength six, defense six, six attacks, six wounds, courage three, one might, uh, five will, and one fate. War gear is a whole bunch of tentacles. Heroic action is heroic strength. Um, special rules are harbinger of evil. Uh, so that is the, uh, I think that's the 15 inch uh, minus one. 12. Oh, oh, no, that's the 12. Okay. That's the 12 inch uh, minus one. So just like a ring wraith. Um, resistant to magic and terror. Uh, from the deep. So I'm not going to read. The rules are long, but the from the deep rule allows you during each priority phase after priority has been rolled, uh, you basically get to say, all right, I'm going to try and bring the watcher in. And if you roll a three plus, the watcher is ready to come in and the watcher can basically show up anywhere on the board, including in the middle of the other guy's battle line. And uh, a key component of how you deploy it. Yes, it is. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about this at, 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 in tactics a bit on the Watcher. The next thing is uh, meta, many tentacles. Um, basically, it starts with six attacks. If you get three wounds, your number of attacks goes down to three. But, you know, six attacks, that's pretty good. Uh, then the other major thing here is um, uh, tentacles. And so the tentacles shoot. And what they can do is they have a range of six inches they're like throwing weapons, except you can use them even when you are in combat. Um, they have a strength of three. There are no in-the-way ro- rolls ever required, which means you can pull. Well, and what you do is if you if you hit somebody and you do not kill him, you pull him into combat with the Watcher. So you can reach out and grab people out of another combat and suck them into your combat. Or you can hide behind the lines of uh, your goblins or whoever you're with, reach over, grab a poor hapless hero that is somewhere behind the lines, pull them into combat with a watcher. And the, the tactic that's often used is you buy a couple bat swarms to follow the watcher around mm-hmm. and you have the bat swarm maneuver into a position between the watcher and the target that it wants to grab. And then you, gra- you reach out, you grab the target, you pull them in. And because you move the, the target into position with the watcher at the closest available point, um, to the, the line that they're coming in, they'll end up being in combat with both the Bat Swarm and the Watcher, which means the Watcher is going to have a higher fight value than your target and is going to have six dice, so is pretty much going to win that combat. And once you get six attacks in on somebody at strength six, it's probably going to kill them too, uh, especially since if you do this right, you can engineer a trap. Um, there's two other special rules. There's drag to the depth. There's water dweller. They only really matter when you have a bunch of water on the board. So we won't talk about them now, but there are, there are two basic tactics to using the watcher, both of which are fun for the guy playing the watcher. Um, the one is kind of the, what we just discussed where you have some bat swarms falling the sky around the watcher sits behind your own line and it uses its tentacles to reach over the battle line grab whomever it wants to from the other side, pulls them in and kills them. And then you, know, you rinse repeat on this. So next turn, he's going to pull somebody else in and kill them um, and uh, so on. And you can kind of basically pick a hero a turn and erase them using this tactic. 
The other ability that the watcher has is the ability to kind of deep strike and show up in people's lines. And, you know, this, so what you can do is you can have the, the watcher show up in the middle of somebody's lines. And then you, there's a, there's a rule in here that allows you to scatter people when the watcher shows up and you can scatter people into really bad positions where they will instantly die. Um, the downside of this is that it often means that your watcher is going to die because one of the things that the watcher comes with is an enormous base. Uh, and, you know, once the watcher kind of teleports into the, you know, does a deep strike thing and teleports into the middle of the enemy's battle line, you got to think that just about everybody and its friend is going to be attacking the watcher in the next turn and you may well lose it. Um, but there are certain circumstances when you, want to have that watcher teleport into the enemy's lines and like knock the enemy's general into the position where you could kill it and take it out and then, uh, and then go from there. Um, so anyway, thoughts on the watcher. This is, this is another figure, by the way, that is not for beginners. Um, I have a little more experience with the watcher at this point than I have with the spider queen. So I, I, I think I'm starting to scratch the surface of the watcher's potential, but um, once you kind of figure out all the tricksy stuff this watcher can do, it's a lot of fun. I would say the exact same thing. Like I'm kind of like in your boat to where I don't have experience with the watcher. So I have no, like I've seen its potential and stuff, but for me, I think the 200 point sink for something that really needs, like, like Matt said, you need to really fine tune the sucker, play it multiple times to find its potential because it does have one might and no strike. So if you don't get the bat swarm in with it, like it can die pretty fast or a hero that can rogue strike. And then it's uh, attacks go down as it loses wounds and it has six wounds. So if you do like tap it out with like shooting or even with some well, heroes and stuff. They have changed it now. So it's instead, of, it used to be for every wound it took, it lost an attack. Now it's basically rule of have. So you have to do, it has mm. six attacks until it takes three wounds and then it has three attacks. So Ooh, that actually makes it a lot better. Yeah. It's a it lot better. Gives it more staying power. Better. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. It's got weaknesses that you can definitely work around. Like Matt said, I like the idea that you said to have them in your back lines to just pick people like peekaboo. Like I got you, Aragorn. Here's a bat swarm with me and I'm going to kill you. That's oftentimes how it's used is you just bring them in and you basically, because when you bring them in, you can bring them over your own line. So it's like, as Matt said, it, it becomes a trap. They're now separated from their army and brought into where your army is in the middle of it with a watcher <laughs> like, yeah but it, I, but but i feel like this white dinkin on my list is you do need to know all those tricks to use it because a lot of people sometimes just throw the watcher they come out of the deep and just like try to wreck a whole army and they just get surrounded and killed you see that so, six attacks and you're like oh you can destroy everyone yeah like oh here i come as you pop yeah, up and, and then I like, like rogue no rogue strike you. and you're surrounded yeah. like i kill you so there yeah. there is that uh sense that yeah i think he's just like the spider queen you need a lot of practice for me 200 points you need to definitely get a lot out of it and stuff because it, it is i don't know we always say glass cannon glass hammer this is like a glass machine gun <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you got to make sure everything's all there yeah um i mean i guess that i don't know yeah i i think that's right i mean the 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 thing about the watcher i guess is um you have to you do have to play a bunch of games with it but it is the, the reason it's on my list is the watcher in the water is one of those figures and there aren't very many of these that when you walk up to a table and you've got the watcher of the water or, or the watcher in the water in your list 
the other guy looks at it, you know that the entire game is going to be about that figure. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's only a couple other figures like that. Sauron is one, the Balrog is another, and I think the Watcher is one where when you walk up to the table, it's like, okay, everybody knows this this you know, this this game is going to be about this figure and and how well I use it and how well the opponent figures out a way to counter it. Um, which also is, is good in it in the sense that like if you're a good player like Matt is, like they're gonna think that, but you also have other toys to play with, potentially a cave troll in there, potentially black shamans shattering or doing crazy shenanigans, and potentially like just a horde of models to do a lot of things. So like I feel like that is also a bonus of a watcher, is just everyone's focused on them or her, whatever, whatever it is. They're just like looking at it like a what's it gonna do, what's it gonna do? And then before you know it, you're just winning the objective game with other stuff. Well, I guess I'll go into my final pick. Just for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into the profile of it, but I think most people probably know what it is. Um, I did just be bland and boring and pick the Witch King on Philippines. <laughs> kind of, I mean, when we're talking about versatility and viability, uh, you know, in sixty point or sixty mil base, I mean, flight, the the you know three attacks. The, and I'm assuming you've kitted the witch king out but even the fact that i even can say that the fact that you can kit the witch king out into various different flexibilities and such is also laid into its strength uh you know it it, it kind of almost speaks for itself how good he is i mean hero of legend all that stuff. i mean like i said I mean, what what are your thoughts on why he may should not be number one monster in the game i, th- so, I think I, he should be okay, there oh no you, you go you go ahead uh, all right. Well, I, my reason for not making him the number one monster there is because Galadriel Lady of Light is the number one most likely there. <laughs> figure you're going to run into. That's, and and she is I, a hard counter to the Witch King. Right? Well, no, I guess, yeah, people would pick her regardless of the Witch King. So. I'm just glad you did it, though, because like I kept the Fell Beast would have been my third. And I kept them out because I thought someone would talk about like a Fell Beast or like the Witch King. And stuff. Good thing we didn't all think like you. Otherwise, we would have not said the fell beast obviously. yeah exactly we're all trying to meta each other but we're all just <laughs> confused we're just like what's going on no no but, one selected any goblin king guacher or witch king <laughs> i i like i like him there because we talk about versatility he has so much versatility in that list you can use him as a caster a troop killer or a hero killer and we talk about lady of light of course yeah you're gonna see her and she mess- messes up a ton like she just messes up everything including shooting yeah she's, but yeah. <laughs> but let's think of like in an overall what he will go against i think he is a really good take um yeah a really good take because he just he has an answer to every problem you're running and like like, like, that, like our our list except our list lady of light yeah our list review is like the crown i kind of would feel confident going into her like, he could do it well I, I think he could do it. i mean he'll be exhausted <laughs> like he'll he'll be beat up but i think he could actually play that fight no you um, could actually do that. i've done it against uh alex Wright. i think a long time ago where i i just threw i was like up oh, there she is throw throw fell beast ring wraith and strike like that's all i can do and uh, surprisingly killed her i was like oh okay but like that you you have that ability to do that and the reroll on casting with the crown, um, these different things. But yeah, just the troop killer. We That's talked it. about the Dwimmer Lake, like the Dwimmer Lake. There's different roles for ring race. These are supporting ring race, caster ring race, combat ring race. The he's all of them. Yeah, like all of them, for actually not too much, too much, too many points either. Like he's he's almost too efficient. 
Um, but he's, he's, that's what he is. He's a super efficient model. And on, on Felby's, it's just, you know, it's nuts what you can throw him around to. But yes, I do agree with Matt that the prevalence of the Lady of Light does make it annoying, but I don't think she totally neuters him. I know I went to the Warhammer World GT and I went against Jasmine Tetley. She had, um, Lady of Light, you know, Boromir and Hurin. And I was playing an Angmar list and, and you can beat through that fortified spirit and you, it just requires a lot of effort because you got to roll that six. So you got to make sure you roll like, you know, two dice, maybe an extra just with the reroll, but two dice probably with the reroll and, and you can beat through it. But yes, it is, it is a little bit taxing or quite taxing on it. So, um, and then of course, banishment. So, but yeah. Rainier, what did you choose as your number one, knowing that someone else would choose a fell beast? So my number one, I'm gonna say it even though Devin said it for his number two, mine is Guahir for sure. And I I was gonna be like, oh, I should change it. No, I'm gonna stick to it because he is definitely my number one. Uh everything that Devin said is true. One thing to add is he's a hero of legend, so you can easily make him your leader. And his uh he allies with basically anything in, in good armies, like with the Matrix. So you all of a sudden you have a huge hero. Um, that you can possibly make him your leader, possibly not. But there you have him destroying back ranks, flying around, not being killed. He's very hard to kill, to be honest. Um, Twelve inch range and, and, and objective. And what game. could be what could be more themed in this game than having a big giant eagle that shows up and solves all your problems? There you go. True. <laughs> if, that's, if that's not theme in Tokyo's universe, what is? <laughs> exactly. As you're destroying your opponent, you have to say, the eagles are coming. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like looking there miserably as you're rolling sixes and throwing their crap all over the place. And you're just like, the eagles are coming. It's like rubbing salt in the wound. But that said, like, it's amazing. Uh, the combos that he can give um, 150 points. That's like crazy. Uh, yeah. What I love, my group does is they they ally him with Gladrio on the mirror, and then you hand the mirror to him like a football, yeah. and he's just completely unstoppable. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, it's a, it's a, you regenerate all your fate. regenerate all your fate. Like I can do stupid stuff, and you can surround me, but I'm not going to die. So yeah, just everything. The allies matrix is what 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 I want to say to it. Just brings him over the list. When I see him in my against me, I'm terrified. When I play him, I'm happy. We've taken to call that the birdbath list, by the way. Yeah, yeah the birdbath list. Also, like, it's it's like this. Because that's what it looks day. like. Yeah, it's this giant bird on this tiny little birdbath. It's flying around. Yeah, you got to, like, model it there, too. You got to, like, convert it to where he's just, like, <laughs> there, really like, sprinkling water on himself. <laughs> I guess I'm shocked that they didn't make it, like, the signal tower, where you just pick a location and that's where it is. They probably will after watching this podcast because <laughs> it makes no sense i want to see him hurl it to be honest yeah. well I, I yeah i mean that's it, i mean it is actually interesting because i don't think i don't can the, i can't remember if the bird bath can be destroyed i think it it, it can be yeah it, it can well, be, you can yeah. pick it up like a it counts basically as a light object for him so you don't or light it's up. a heavy object so no, you well, can you can still well, but yeah, for Gwai here, it's a light object. So he's, he's literally just like has it tucked in his armpit or whatever, or his wing his pit. Yeah, although he does have to drop it whenever he goes into combat. So, I mean, one thing you can do that would actually be kind of amusing is like Gwahir charges in with um, the the mirror, drops it when he goes into combat, and then like two orcs run up, grab the mirror, <laughs> pull it off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Hey, come back here. <laughs> 
<laughs> Where are you going? And then he all of a sudden has to barge to go after the mirror. <laughs> and then you see this like bird like crawling to go get his bath. <laughs> like, He's getting closer. Run faster. No, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, but it's fun. You could use it as a bomber too because like you have your heroes in one place and just here comes Gua here and he like drops it off and then he goes and does other stuff. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But yeah, that's why Gua here is my top one. He's amazing to play. You love it when you play him. And like when you play against him, you're literally terrified. Like, shoot, what am I going to do? He can hero assassinate, objective grab. He can be unstoppable with troops and do shenan- nasty shenanigans on the on the flanks. Yeah, that's my top one, Guahir. All right. So number one choice for Matt, what do you got for us? All right. So, I mean, setting aside that it's probably would have been Guahir, I'm actually going to do something different. Um, and uh, build a pony. Well, all right. So. <laughs> The, the pony because because the foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of the simple mind. Uh, I'm going with Gulivar, the terror of Arnor, at 200 points. Um, and the reason why why this is somewhat inconsistent is because obviously he's got the same vulnerability to uh, Galadriel that uh, uh, the Ringwraith does. Yeah. But <laughs> but in any case, um, he is move six, which only matters when he's not using his fly special rule. Fight seven, strength eight, defense five, attack star, um, uh, wounds four, courage star, and then might three, uh, three might, three will, zero fate. Um, the star comes with the strength of body, strength of will rule, which means he gets a number of attacks and courage value equal to his wound level, which means that um, his courage is basically, as long as he's got four wounds, his courage is always going to be four, regardless of any other modifiers. Um, he has, uh, his heroic actions are heroic strength and heroic defense. He does not have heroic strike, um, but he does have fight seven. So he doesn't need it as much as you think you will. And, uh, basically he uses that defense when he's going to go into a fight with somebody who's going to heroic strike against him. He calls the heroic defense in case he loses. Um, so he sticks around and he also has the immortal hunger special rule. So he regains a single wound for each model he slays in combat. Rend is the only brutal power attack that allows Gulivar to regain wounds in this manner. This can never take his wounds beyond four. So, um, so yeah, he's kind of the ultimate hero assassin monster because he also has the fly ability that we've already discussed. The Eagles, yeah, hero assassin when something's transfixed because he didn't have heroic strike, right? He doesn't have heroic strike, but you you still send him. I mean, first of all, he's almost always followed around by a ringwraith of some sort that's going to transfix somebody but even so in the right circumstances you can throw him in against a hero the hero is going to strike you're going to heroic defense um and uh uh you know if if the hero loses he's dead if um you know if you win or if if the hero wins then gulvar may take a wound uh and then you know he's down one attack and he goes he flaps off he kills some random warrior somewhere and then he comes back and does it again um so uh uh I, you know that and, and, and that's the fun thing with with Gulivar is he can go in and he can he'll take some wounds he'll munch some guys he'll get the wounds back he'll take some more wounds he'll munch some guys he'll get the wounds back um you just have to be careful about getting him into a situation where he has no might remaining and he gets ganged up on by a number of people and he can't call the heroic defense because he is defense five so you know he can He'll go down in one bad combat if he doesn't have heroic defense um, going up. Yeah, I, th- I feel like he's with Agmar. A lot of their things are not good against shooting. He's one of them. 
But um, I do like your take. I think the lack of rope strike is what would make me not take him. That's Roke, why I did put him in my top three. Yeah, Roke defense mitigates that, like you said, which I think Roke defense is actually one of those sleepers, probably one of the best Rokes in the game. But the Roke strike kind of for his points and his like assassination kind of feel, then he can't really get to those big yeah, heroes. I, I think with his stats, by the way, if he had heroic strike, he'd be virtually invincible. No, yeah, we're exactly. Not exactly. He could have heroic strike. No, no, he's very well designed. I would say Gulivar is extremely well designed in the fact that he doesn't have heroic strike. And in the list that he's in, that doesn't matter. So he's a, you know, so in, in, within context, I think Gulivar is 100% should be on the top three. I'm taking him purposely out of context, as I mentioned, like, oh, in a Gondor list, the lack of heroic strike, the fact that he gets weaker as he gets wounded. Yes, I do understand he gets stronger as he wounds, but like the fact that you can make him need to, retreat for a second and go grab someone else to go and refuel. <laughs> yeah um you know that's the only reason you need to make my top three now mm-hmm. even out of context i'd still easily put the guy in my top 10 but you know yeah uh, for sure for sure and like it's back to like one of those things where you really need to train with him and practice with him and play events with him to kind of fully do it like it's it's kind of interesting seeing like all of our choices I'm like, save points and get your worth. And Matt's are like really fine-tuned um, things that like you need his skill to play with basically. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't think, I don't think, so the Watcher in the Waters and, and the Spider Queen are clearly ones that you need practice with. That's, it's not that clear to me that Gulivar is one of those. The, the fact that he has the four attacks, the fly and the fight seven, um, you know, you can you can put him in the hands of a rank amateur, and he can do a whole lot of damage as long as he doesn't get shot. Yeah. As long because well, he doesn't get shot. I think I think that's that's the thing too. Like I've played a lot of Golivars, and I'm not really like terrified, but it could be like the play style. That's because you play Corsairs, and you can just shoot into combat. That's that's true. <laughs> yeah. But but you, you, even <laughs> even like uh, different things like chariots or uh, Mahood or different things like that. It's it's kind of like. I don't know. He he is very, very, very good, but I, I just, he's not as forgiving. Well, I guess for time's sake, for me, I guess we'll, um, I guess we'll end it there, but we did get through our top three lists. And I'm actually curious, everyone, the viewers, um, anyone on YouTube, you can comment below and let us know why, if you'd agree with our choices and why you think the catapult troll should have been on our top three. Yeah. Somebody's going to like comment and we're going to be like, ah, oh, shoot, we forgot that. <laughs> and, and please, if you do spell your name phonetically, that will save everybody <laughs> a whole lot of trouble and, uh, and apparently some strokes because we really don't want to kill anybody by mispronouncing their names. Exactly. <laughs> and if you have anything we want to review or like what or what is the theme like let us know too because we actually take all of y'all's feedback pretty well oh, yeah. usually <laughs> all right then. well i uh, hope you all enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you all very soon bye so,